As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Uh, we are Lukeless again this week. Um, and as our loyal listeners or hashtag loyal listeners know, we uh, when we go into the winter, we, we get interview heavy. So... Uh, this will start that out for the winter period, and really excited about tonight's guest, a guy that uh, I have a ton of respect for on and off the track, has accomplished a lot, and he's a footbreaker, so that just makes it even more special for me. It is a pleasure to have with us tonight, Charlie Lockhart. Charlie, how are you tonight, brother? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Well, good. That's always good to hear. Um, appreciate you taking some time for us. Know you're a busy man. Got a lot going on. Hopefully the winter is uh, is giving you the necessary off time to get your racing program refreshed, and I'm sure you'll get back at it. Uh, if uh, if I'm guessing, I would guess you're getting back at it um, New Year's. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna head south for New Year's again. Uh, probably not the smartest move financially uh, to travel. 14, 15 hours, 1,000 miles for two 10,000 to win races. But what else are you going to do when it's cold in Kentucky? You head south. So, <laughs> Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it, it worked out really well for you last New Year. So hopefully it does this time as well. Charlie, I always like to let the listener know where we're talking to our guests tonight. So where where are you? Obviously, you're in Kentucky, but what part? We're in western Kentucky. Uh, south of Mayfield, a little town called Sedalia. Um, we've got a gas station, a, a local restaurant, and uh, there's actually a dollar store locally here, so it's, it's a pretty small community. <laughs> the big city of Sedalia. Uh, just city. to give give folks an idea of what would be the closest major city to you. Uh, we're about 40, 45 miles uh, south of Paducah, Kentucky. 
Uh, that's probably the biggest, uh, one of the biggest uh, cities locally here. Uh, two and a half hours or so from Bowling Green, back southwest from Bowling Green. So uh, that that's a pretty good reference. Yeah, you got plenty of racing within a couple of hours of you, and, and I know you, you don't limit it to that. You stretch out quite a bit. And Charlie, uh, you, you run your own business, but what do you do for a living? I sell and direct pre-engineered steel buildings, um, commercial buildings. We do uh, a ton of uh, farm uh, slash commercial, some residential, but we finished up a job today that was 80 foot wide and 200 foot long, 16,000 square feet. Um, and that that's usually the scope of what we do. We get some smaller projects along the way, but uh, been very blessed with work. Uh, lots of people have been out of work and hurting with this uh, pandemic we're in ours has been booming uh, we've been very fortunate in that area that's really good to hear what's the name of that business charlie uh, lockhart metal sales lockhart metal sales will put you up uh, 80 by two how long what kind of time frame that take we finished which we've had good weather for the end of november into the first of december uh, a lot better weather than we're used to we've got actual 20 working days on that job so over of about five weeks, we had Thanksgiving in there, and I might have took vacation. Uh, might have went to Vegas for a week and left the guys <laughs> here. But I've got a, I've got an awesome crew that that I can count on. Uh, got one gentleman been with me. I've been in business a little over ten years, but he's been with me most of that time. Uh, I can leave everything in their hands and not second guess or worry about what's going on at home if I'm gone, racing, vacation, you know, whatever. So. Boy, that is handy to have, and I do. I did see where you guys went out to Vegas. So hopefully, you had a wonderful time. Yeah, we had a big time. That was I'd never been out west. Uh, a little different with uh, the pandemic. The shows was shut down, uh, tours, but the crowd was pretty light. Uh, really enjoyed our time out there. It was good to get away. First vacation I'd been on in six, seven years. So uh, without a race car, you know, I've been all over racing, but that gets to be kind of like work as well not really what i call a vacation so <laughs> no it's hard hard to enjoy that sometimes sometimes it is just work especially when you go a bunch of rounds like you do it keeps you busy it charlie does. tell us tell us about how you got started in this crazy sport well we we grew up man i've got a little brother's 13 months younger than me and we we grew up dad dad was in the demolition derby and and uh, that got to where they was fighting and arguing over $100 and a trophy. And they decided that they wanted to do something different. So um, we went to a truck pull. We went to a dirt track race. And we went to a drag race. And he, Dad demolition derbied with my uncle. And they built pulling trucks. And Dad built a drag car. So he raced for two, maybe three years. Uh, at the time, I was eight, nine years old. And uh, Mom and Dad went together and bought a junior dragster. Uh, I would race it one weekend. My brother would race it the next, and that's how we run the first season. It kind of took off. And uh, the second the second season there for Christmas, they got us a second junior dragster, and we both had our own. And uh, and that – I was uh, – I won a track championship in 1998, I believe, at Northwest Tennessee Motorsports Park. Uh, here in Northwest Tennessee is where we race pretty well every weekend. And um, – at 15 years old, I got in a door car somewhere around 2013 area, somewhere in there. And the rest has kind of been a blur. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, really, it's really been fun. I've met a lot of good people. I've been fortunate to, to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, several good people pushing me along the way. So, No doubt about that. So you're telling me, as long as I've known you, I did not know that your path could have taken you down the demolition derby route, but it, it, it veered off a little and got you into drag racing. It did, and I, I'm fortunate for that. You know, mom and dad didn't, well, dad especially didn't like the the way that the derbying was turning into. It was a pretty rough crowd, as you can imagine, and uh, <laughs> They, they chose the, they chose a different route, you know, and, and we we could have went dirt track racing or we could have went truck pulling too, but we we went we went drag racing and and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> when the object is to run over one another until you disable the car, it, it's I guess it would be a pretty rough crowd. What was the 
what was the weapon of choice for dad most of the time? They they really liked station wagons back then, and and in this part of the country, finding a good station wagon nowadays is 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 hard to do. A lot of them got destroyed in the in the derby rings, so <laughs> it's pretty pretty big there. Do you remember your first win? I guess you you will break that into two parts: first win in juniors and the first win in big cars. I, I don't really remember the first win in the juniors. That was. That was probably ninety six, ninety seven range. Uh, you know, eight nine years old. Um, that uh, I'm sure I could go back and look at the trophies that are still. All the trophies are still in Dad's shop. Back then, you was lucky to have, you know, four or five, six juniors at a time. But we grew up racing junior dragsters with uh, the Meltons, uh, M and M race cars. They was right there locally. Uh, Lucas Walker, uh, Chris, and Kayla Peeler. There was. There were several good junior drivers right there locally, so it was it was no cakewalk by any means. Um, but I don't. I would say probably in that first season, I'm, I'm thinking we got our first win. But um, I know the third year in, I was able to win the the points championship there, and that was you know that was pretty big. Yeah, and then in big cars, when did that first win come along? The the very first race I raced in in Dad's race car is seventy eight Camaro and uh, and the first night out seemed like we was running in the seven fifty seven sixty range and and I remember the the first pass I made I'd never been any faster than ten O's ten twenties and a junior and the very first pass in three fifty with a three fifty turbo and a, a slap shifter you know and Dad said down look. You don't have to make a full pass if you don't want to. Well, he, he told me after I made the first run and made a full pass, he said, I knew telling you that was going in one ear and out the other. He was going to make a run. So uh, the first the first race that I got to actually compete, I did win. And I thought, oh, this is, this is easy. You know, of course, it was a sportsman class or something like that. And uh, I didn't win. I didn't hardly win around the rest of the season after winning the first race. So it was really humbling to start off. You know, this is this thing will run within you know five or six hundreds where my junior swing a tenth, and uh, you know this is pretty easy. And come to find out, it's not. So, <laughs> well, I don't know. You're still making it look easy, if truth be known. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> incredible, though. When you first race in the big car, you know, going two and a half seconds faster than you had ever been before. Uh, that's uh, that's a heck of a start in your big car career. It was, and it, like I said, the rest of the season was, was. My birthday was in April, and they would let me. They, they would let me run uh, when I turned fifteen. You could race there. It was an NHRA track, but the owners had watched us grow up, and you know, you know kind of how it is in the South. You know, if it, if they watched you grow up, you get a little more leadway and what you can do, and, and this and that. And they knew it was somewhat safe, and uh, so when I turned fifteen, that that was in April. So the rest of the season was pretty rough. But uh, but a good time nonetheless. <laughs> uh, Charlie, we we talked about it a little bit when we talked about your plans for New Year's. But your 2020 season, uh, as crazy as this season has been, it started normal and it started really well for you uh, down at uh, Rob Reynolds New Year's Nationals. With um, I guess the races all got combined and it turned into a 20 grander. Am I am I remembering right? Yeah, we, we, we left out on, like, uh, Thursday morning. You know, we're going to race Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We may have left on Wednesday. Um, and we, we rolled down, and the forecast looks absolutely horrible. And, and I believe I, I said something to my, my girlfriend, my wife now at the time, and uh, I was like, you know, this probably ain't real smart, but we're going to do it anyways with nothing else to do. Uh, so we head out and uh, get down there. And it seemed like it rained five or six inches over the first two days. And we're sitting in a hotel. We've been bowling. We've been to the honky tonk. We've been to the bar. We've done everything we can do, and just bored out of our minds. And get up Sunday morning, head out to the track, and you know everybody as a racer is well. They're going to catch. You know we drove fifteen, sixteen hours down here and, and for nothing. You know you can't blame them. I wouldn't blame him a bit if he called if he pulled the plug. Uh, we get there to scrape in the track. Hey, we're going to race. I'm thinking, well, this is. You know, this is crap. I never dreamed we'd get to race, and uh, so it and it and it all played out. We 
first round, uh, I got by second round, uh, go out there and think, leave the line and it misses. I grabbed the jug and I screw it up on the first entry, but call back, talk to Lucas. He's not there. And I say, Hey man, what's, what's making this thing pop? You know, it pop for 30, 40 feet and clear up. Um, and I come back around my second entry and I've got Gage Birch. I'm thinking, well, this is, we're done. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's won everything you could win, you know, last year. And, and I get lucky. I get by him. Come back and, and uh, we had some moisture in the distributor cap. Uh, of course, it had rained five or six inches. So everything had moisture in it. Mm. Cleared it up and we, we dried it out and the thing run flawless. Well, that's a good thing. Obviously, it worked out really well for you. Started your season there, New Year's, with a twenty grand win, and for all intents and purposes, Charlie, it, it really stayed that way. Your twenty twenty was very good, and especially that early part of it, um, you just seemed like you was winning everything you entered, and you were traveling quite a bit. When you total it all up, not necessarily dollars, but maybe where you won, how you won, the, the stages you were on. Was this your best season ever? I, I think so. I think that's safe to say. Uh, we we come back from, from West Palm and the New Year's race. We wound up back at Emerald Coast two weeks later with uh, Galen Rawson for his King of the Coast race um, and and made it, found myself in the finals there, kind of the same situation. They, they combined, had one race uh, for 7,500, and I've got Greg Rushing in the finals. He's He's no slouch. He's pretty good. Uh, and and I just I screwed up the finish line. I get behind like triple zero two or something. And uh, and that was a tough ride coming home. But still, I mean, the second I come home with pocket full of money, uh, was was you know was happy with the trip, but just wasn't really content with the way I drove the finish line. And uh, we go down to uh, we go down to Bell Rose in February. And that was probably the best weekend for the year. Uh, we rolled into Bellrose. We had a ton of trouble getting there. Um, more or less crashed the motorhome and soccer. Um, get there and I'm able to win on Saturday and Sunday for back-to-back. And uh, uh, that, was, that was a really good weekend, too, to, to kind of start the season off. Yeah, all that happened seemed like really close together. And, and then, obviously, you have performed extremely well throughout the year and calling it your best season which is an accomplishment because you've had a bunch of good seasons. But you, you're you considered by most, Charlie, as one of the top ten foot brake or, or bottom bulb, I guess at least on the foot brake side, um, one of the top ten racers in the country. And I feel like I know about where this is going to go, but I'd still like to hear you. you're as hard on yourself as, as anybody could be on you and as critical of yourself as anybody can be, but you've accomplished a ton. Where do you rank yourself? And this ain't a braggadocious thing, but you go to the starting line with a lot of confidence. So I'd like to know where you think you rank. Well, uh, that top 10, I think is being gracious. Very great. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good drivers out there that, that nobody knows about because they don't get the, the motor mania spotlight they don't get the the drag champ the they don't get the the publicity that they really deserve um i don't think i'm top 10 by any means maybe top 50 uh but when i wrote when i leave the house i'm going to win if i don't think i can win that race there's no sense in going um why waste the time the money and the effort if you don't think you can win and i think everybody has that mentality it's not cocky. It's not, you know, it's just confidence. Uh, I, I, but back to what I began with there, there's a lot of local talent that nobody has heard of there. There's, we raced at beacon dragway up here in Paducah, Kentucky, and there's drivers there that could win anywhere in the country if they go. Um, at the same time, if beacon shut down, they'd sell their cars. They wouldn't go anywhere because, they don't think they can win somewhere else. It's a mindset. You have to, you have to roll out thinking that you can win. And you know, I, I'm sure people think, "Oh, that that Charlie, he's cocky, or he's, you know, he thinks he's better." And it ain't that. It's it's just if you don't think you can win, you don't have any business being there. Uh, it, it, 
it's for fun. Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, winning's a lot more fun than losing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know that that's kind of where my mindset is. But where I rank, I, I'd I, I would crack the top fifty, maybe. Well, and and I understand what you're saying, Charlie. With all due respect to the local guys that are really good there at home and local guys that are really good anywhere in the country, there is quite a bit of difference in a tree and a track that you've been on 10,000 times and one that you're just now seeing. There's quite a bit of difference in going down the track every 45 minutes versus waiting four, five, six hours, sometimes days, in the rain so your skills are quite a bit better than the average footbreaker when it comes to that although you can go to any track in the country and there's guys there that make great runs but they're at home doing what you've done with the miles you've put on and and the things you've set through and endured you know i think those racers deserve a little bit more credit because those are challenging circumstances. So that, to me, says guys like you are top ten because of your adaptability. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I agree with that to an extent. Um, everybody's on the same playing field at the end of the day. Um, it's just how you – a lot of times how you pull in the lanes. You know, I've had weekends that, that I couldn't buy around. I've had weekends I won races I didn't deserve, you know, so um, – my little brother is one of the one of the biggest talents that's unheard of. He's uh, he's better than me day in and day out, week in and week out. Uh, he just doesn't have the confidence to stretch out, put the miles and time in to travel and race. I wish I wish you would. Well, that was on my list that Wesley's proven to be one of the best there is. Uh, I mean, I've watched him quite a bit at our events, and anytime I've got an opportunity to see him on Motor Mania. And, he makes incredible runs. He's a talented, talented guy. Uh, and you guys have squared up quite a few times over the years. Does Do you make Wesley better, or does Wesley make you better, if you understand what I'm asking? I, I think there's a little I think there's a little of both there. When, when I, when I, there's nobody there that I don't want to race more than him. I, I, he is the one guy that scares me because he is that good and I know he's that good and his equipment's that good. Um, I, I'm, I'm not scared to race him in the same, in the same sentence. Um, I'll take my beatings, pat him on the back and go on just like he does with me. We've had a lot of good races over the years. Um, we raced each other last year down at the Southern, I think at four cars, you know, and then the very he next did. day we're both still, you know, we're both still in at four cars and have the chance to run each other in the finals, which would have been the, the dream, you know, and then we both we both bow out. So um watching him win the uh watching him win the, the IHRA division finals um in my car was you know, that that was probably the one of my major highlights of the year. Um I was still in at three cars, had the chance to race him in the finals and I kick it I think one thou red at at three and uh and he goes on to win and i've never i've never lost a race that i was happy but i was happy that he won you know we we still we still won you know one of us won it so that was that oh, yeah. was the goal you know so do you uh do you keep a top five in your head in foot brake racing do you, would you care at all for your top five ranking or you uh you don't really think well, about that type of stuff Locally or, or on the big money circuit? No, I would say just uh, nationally. I think Nick Hastings is number one in the other week. Um, Our dog Kevin Pollard. You know, Kev, Kevin Pollard, he, he, what he has done in that little love is phenomenal. Lucas Walker, I mean, everybody knows me and Lucas run together, not just because we're partners, but I've seen him do stuff that, that I wouldn't have believed if I hadn't have been there. Um and it's, you know, Josh Epperson, Matt Overtanic, you know, um, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good talent out there. There's a lot of people that week in and week out are, are it really depends on what part of the country. And you got the Sandlin boys in Texas, you know, 
uh, Jake Howard. Uh, it, it depends on where you're at. Yeah, I think you're you're right on it there, and, and it's impossible to do a top five. I don't think you could get a consistent top five out of anybody, but just uh, mainly asking you that, just to try to get an idea of the, the people that, that you hold in high regard from a talent standpoint and accomplishments, and the, the guys you listed obviously are very well accomplished and, and super talented, so uh, that, was a, that was a good list, and I think uh, you asked those guys that have you in there as well. One of one of the best that that no longer races, Steve Sykes. I mean, look at what he's done. I mean, a lot of what he done, I wasn't around for, but I've heard the stories, you know, and the equipment he done it with. Yeah, Steve. Steve had a ton of talent. Uh, he was the most consistent lever that I've ever seen, and you know, I I'm not one to blow smoke up his skirt just because we're partners in in the racing business, but he was arguably the best lever that i've ever witnessed just i mean it was incredible when he was 20 25 he knew he didn't get it all and i've been 25 i've felt like at times in my life a long time ago that i was as good as anybody and felt like i could race with anybody but i would be 25 100 times and might know it five of them Mm-hmm. So that was just how good Steve was. So I'm glad you mentioned him. He had incredible talent. Hey, you don't get on the racetrack anymore. Um, Charlie, your your personal life saw a lot of changes in 2020. Uh, you got married, I believe it was in May. And um, you married Shay that you mentioned a little earlier. She was your girlfriend when you won the 20 grander at the New Year's. But but now y'all are, y'all are hitched up Tell us about Shay and what she's meant to your to your racing program, life in general. Life in general took a big curve. Uh, my nineteen uh, season was it's no secret. I mean, it was it was up and down relationship wise. Uh, but we come in. I, I met her in. I met her on October thirtieth of two thousand nineteen. Uh, that was our. I say I met her. That was our first date. Um, had been talking to her a little bit. Uh, that was on a Wednesday. I left Thursday morning to come to the Southern Footbreak. Um, had a really good weekend at the Southern Footbreak. And I come home and I thought, you know, there's there's something to be said about that pressure being relieved, that, you know, there was somebody there that was willing to support you no matter what. When your home life's good, everything's good. Um yeah. And home life took a 180-degree turn um, for the better. And it's it, it's not been all fairy tales and roses. None of, none of them, none of them are. Um, but you know as well as I do that when when things turn around and are are clicking, uh, racing's good, business is good, family life's good. You know everything follows suit. And um, and I saw right right quick that she was. She was in for the long haul. This was uh, this wasn't just something she wanted to just try. This was something she was dedicated to. Uh, I'd mention, hey, there's a race. Let's go. You know, hey, there's a race. Let's go. Let's just do this. You know, 100% support uh, without competing. Um, mm-hmm. We we loaded up. We loaded up in. Uh, we went to Texas, Lufkin, Texas, to uh, be down with a sickness race around the. First of May, the first weekend of May, I believe. And I had already bought a ring, and I told Lucas, I said, "I'm going to go to Texas, and I'm going to win one of these races, and I'm going to propose." And uh, and almost almost pulled it off. We rolled in, uh, we rolled in the Gamblers race there the first night at five cars or so. I win the round, shut it off, coast up to the ticket shack, fired up, pull off, and it backfires through the carburetor and dies. So I thought, well, it broke. Something in the distributors broke because it wouldn't, you know, something in the ignition. It broke the camshaft. Well, here I am in with the buy. Mm. I got to buy three cars, and my car's broke. So my plan's blowing up in my face, and I'm panicking. I don't know what to do about it. You know, I've got this <laughs> ring in my pocket. I'm going to propose. I've got this right on, you know. I'm at three cars on the buy. This is a done deal. And uh, I hop in the love of the Sandlin brothers and make my buy run at three. Well, Lucas wins at three and we split and quit the finals. And I propose, um, come home. Of course, COVID's on. We're in a pandemic. 
Uh, so we we get married out here on the front porch, right here at the house. Uh, just a few people made it simple, easy. You know, everything we've done so far hadn't been conventional. So why would why have a big conventional <laughs> wedding? You know, so we we pulled the trigger, and, and things have been have been great. You know, it. it I seem like I started the the year off, uh, you know, it started off good and it's been good all year. And a lot of that has to do with when you, when you look and there's somebody there beside you and that's willing to get behind you and push you a little bit when you need it. And, and uh, it's 100% for you. It just changes your whole outlook on life. Man. Yeah. Sometimes it can feel scary. Good. When, when things are good at home and good in business and, and you're getting all these wind lights, you keep your head on a swivel wondering what's going to go wrong, but that don't necessarily mean something's going to go wrong. It, it definitely means a lot to have that kind of support behind you. And I can tell she's meant a lot to you personally and, and even on your racing program. Yeah, it, it's been, you, you, you remember you asked her when we was at Bristol, I think for the WFC, the, the triple tens, you asked her if she knew what she'd signed up for. And uh, we was in the, I think we was in the lanes for the, the, the tank inspection or something there when we got to the ladder on the, I think that was Friday and, and she kind of grinned and, you know, kind of him hauled around. And I think she did. I think she knew what she signed up for. And, uh, and I'm glad she did, you know, so. Uh, as long as she's all in, I know that'll, that'll be a huge benefit to you going forward. So, uh, Charlie, we, you and I have talked quite a bit over the years, uh, as much as we get an opportunity. I, I think anytime we're at the track together, I try to, try to ease by and chat with you a little bit because I think you're one of the most level-headed people in the pits regardless of who else is out there so I think this question fits you well and it's probably not going to be real easy for you to answer but foot brake racing is is growing it seems to be doing really well in certain areas and certain events but it's also got its struggles it also has its struggles um, on the local scene in certain parts of the country. What does foot brake racing need more of? And then I'll follow that up with what does it need less of? I think foot brake racing needs, and I, it's weird you ask, I've thought about this, but I've had some talks with local track managers. I think foot brake racing needs more of your local 5,000 to win races, 2,500 to win races, 3,000 to win. Something that your local guys can, you know, it's it's hard for your local, you know, a lot of your local guys to come throw, you know, a $400 entry fee out and then, and then $400 for fuel and then hotel expenses. I mean, when you travel, there's a lot of unseen expenses. You know, hey, we rolled in one $10,000 race, but we might not have made a dime. Um, because of all the expense, so you, you take you take and raise. Which we we're we're fortunate. We have Beacon Dragway up here. Um, we can race for a thousand dollars every Saturday night, guaranteed money, three hundred to runner up for a fifty dollar entry fee, and get forty forty five cars. Um, but I think a lot of your 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 big money racing has hurt your small money racing uh it's done away with your 2500 to win races it's done away with the five granders you know if we can give a hundred dollars i'll give a hundred to go race for five thousand i'll get in the truck and go tomorrow three hours down the road you know hey they're having a five grander at buffalo valley i'm there you know that's three hours um it's them's the kind of races that i think are are that, that we're missing uh, there's an abundance of big money races. Uh, you and Steve put on some good races. You've got Britton throwing some good races. Michael Beard's throwing some good races. But if, for strictly foot brake racing, I, I think we need to bring back the, you know, the sixty dollar entry fee for twenty five hundred to win. You know, something that your local guys don't feel like they're 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 robbing their grocery money to go race. You know. Yep, I agree. I'd like to see more of that for sure. And I'm certainly hoping to uh, see some of that around me as well. I think we're going to get some good foot brake racing this year in, in my part of the country. What do we need less of, Charlie? Marathon races. 
and here and here's why. You know, the WFC. I mean, what would we have? Five fifty. Five fifty. Yeah. Uh, when we we rolled down to four cars on Friday night, and and okay, we're gonna stop and finish in the morning. I mean, that is a knife in the gut for a driver. Sure. Um, I understand why. You know, we hit curfew. We have to. There's no choice. You don't have a. You don't have an option. Yeah, promoter uh, didn't like it either. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. I understand. And, and then, you know, here, I, I, you got to, hey, bud, we're going to finish in the morning. Go get you a good night's rest, and we'll see you at 8. Well, that ain't how it works. You know, I laid in the bed and tossed and turned until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, got up, took some NyQuil, sleep. Then I'm hungover when I get up. And, uh, you know, so that, that to me is, and, and we've had that conversation that, sure, uh, I, I even I even told you when we was at the hundred k. I think we skipped the triple tens and we just come for the hundred because that was a lot more enjoyable race for the driver. Um, now that it's you've come out with three fifteens, I'm there. You know, I wouldn't miss it for the world. So uh, it's it, it, <laughs> lured it's you right back in. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a double edged sword. You know, so I think the the marathon the marathon races, and and I'm guilty of it just like every driver is. You get home, you know, we roll in late Sunday night or Monday morning and got to be up to go to work and all week you're dragging and how dumb was that? We didn't win, you know, and we'd do it the next weekend if it was available, you know, and, and so that that's that's the side that I think, um, and I don't know what the answer is to control it. Um, that, that there's That's a double-edged sword. The promoter's got to make money. It's a business. That's That's a given. And you got to have the racers to make money. So, do you raise your entry fees to cut down cars? Um, that might work. You might get the same amount of cars. You know, so I, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I'm not. A, I don't wear the promoter hat anymore. That that was one and done. And and uh, I'm glad I don't have to make them decisions. Well, we're going to talk about that too here in a little bit. But you know, I've, I've thought many times, and I don't know where the brakes are, where what fits, but. I've thought many times about how dragsters and door cars are separated now for quite a few rounds on the top bulb side, and it has seemed to have a very positive impact on the the event quality, the crowds, and, and certainly the the feeling that everybody's got a fair shake or an even shake at the at the prize. You know, we don't see a lot of of slower cars race wfc type events or what michael beard's doing or what Britton galen's doing do we need some breaks in there to group cars with similar ets would that have a positive impact charlie or is it just a pipe dream that you're going to get some of the the slower cars to show up my my personal opinion is that that hurts you the the whole the whole idea of bracket racing in general and specifically foot brake racing is that you can take an unconventional weapon and be effective. Um, the gentleman that run it up to Caleb in the hundred grander, very unconventional. And he's oh, had yeah. a year out of this world. Um, so I think, I think that's in my opinion, that's not a good move. Um, that, that is, that is handicapping that group and making them run themselves. It's kind of like making double entries run double entries. You're, you're going to make me run a double entry guy and you're going to put me, you know, one of us is going to lose our chance to carry two entries deep into the race. Um, so I, I, I don't I have, I don't know that. I say, I don't like that right now, but after I think about it for a while, I might find a reason I do it. That's, that's kind of, that's something I'd have to ponder on. No, I understand your your take completely, and I don't disagree with it. Uh, just wondering what we can do to get some, I guess, to change the mindset of some of the slower car drivers, maybe that that might feel like they don't have a chance. Not not necessarily trying to increase the crowds, but just trying to make crowds as diverse. Because you see a lot of the cars, and you know, you obviously mentioned what happened at the hundred k. That was that was a, a little bit different and unconventional, as you mentioned. But most of the time, the winners look 
they have a similar look from a, a, a build and makeup of the car. So just wondering what we can do, if there's anything we can do to try to, to change that mindset a little bit and get some of those slower cars out. I, I understand I understand your, your thinking on that, I, I, and I would have to put a lot more I'd have to put a lot more thought into that. I mean, that, that is a really good, you know, it's a good idea. Um, but does it work? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. That's hard to, that's a tough one. Yeah. I'd hate to implement it and find out that it doesn't work. Cause I, I don't want, don't want to be that guy either. So <laughs> it's, uh, maybe somebody will try it one day. And then I go back to, you know, I go back to Steve again. I mean, you ask Steve the same question. He's going to tell you he's got just as good a chance as, as I do, or, or Ellison does, or Luca, anybody, it, it, just because he's in a slower car, um, he's got just as much trouble judging me as I've got judging him. I don't think he's had an advantage in the slower car. Um, I don't think I'm advantage in a faster car. Uh, the only the only advantage I see to a faster car at all is if the slower car drops it red. And I would love to see True Start implemented, uh, where that's no longer an advantage. Then I think that's the only way you can level foot brake racing anymore is to to bring in True Start. Maybe go back to hand shift. Um, I don't like the I don't like the pull cable, the the throttle lever. Uh, I think if you're foot brake racing, you need to be foot brake racing. Um, and my my dad uses one. He's had one for years. Um, I don't agree with it at all, hundred um, percent. And, and me and him have had that talk, but he, he doesn't travel. They allow it our local track, so he runs it. Yeah, the sanctioned bodies allow it. And that, that you know, we, we definitely have had some discussion about that, and that's been a, a hot topic for the events that I'm involved with. And, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult decision to navigate through because a fair amount of the crowd is trying to use it, um, and it's allowed at a higher level than what we allow so or than what we uh, participate in so it's it's difficult for sure but i think that's going to come to a head pretty soon i believe well, it, because it seems to be well, getting it, a lot it, of attention you take you take foot brake race and started as, as as a no electronics i mean you heard a lot the, back in my early days no e was big around here well if you get right down to it that electric shift that's electronic you know so there, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of different ways you could to look at that you know so it, it's it's not about who wrote the rule it's about how you look at the rules so um but that's that's my take on it well said uh, you just touched on it just a little bit ago i want to want to ask you about it you and lucas walker promoted an event at beacon dragway i guess that was what now three maybe four years ago May of six. Okay, so a little over four, going on five. Uh, that was at Beacon Dragway. Um, good event, looked successful. You guys uh, went into it, obviously, uh, knowing a lot about foot brake racing and what you like to see in a foot brake race, but getting on the promoter side gives you a different look at it. And uh, I, I'd like to know, was it harder than you thought? easier about what you expected what was the promoting side like the the leading up to the race i can't take a lot lucas took care of everything leading up to the race uh he took care of sponsorships he took care of promoting you know he he really was he had a lot more time invested pre-race than than what i did um michael beard was there racing with us i told him several times that weekend that they made it look easy because that was so much tougher than what I ever dreamed. And I had an idea, um, but it was, it was a lot tougher deal to pull off than what, uh, than what anybody, everybody that, that has any complaint about the way a race is run should run a race and they won't complain anymore. Um, <laughs> there's, there's so many variables. There's so many things. I mean, we had time and system issues. We had rain, we had thunderstorm. We had, you know, if you name it, but we had a tornado two days before the race. Um, so mm. that, that level Lucas's shop and all of our stuff was there for the race. So we're digging through rubble, trying to find stuff to, 
and actually set up one night all night talking about it canceling and then we, no, you know we can't we have to have this race you know so um it went off with that you know on the outside it looked great um we we was successful did we did we make a killing no uh would we have done it again given the opportunity probably uh, but there, there definitely was some hiccups behind the scenes you know but um uh, the, the, it's it's not something that I that I necessarily want to do again. I'm not scared to do it again. Uh, but at the same time, I'd rather go race than I had put on a race. That's probably the one thing that I the whole to weekend was. Man, I wish my car was here. You know, I wish I could be racing this. Um, but uh, definitely, definitely an experience. Yeah, that's the hardest part as a competitor and, and one that's obviously had a lot of success. You had to had to struggle, you and Lucas both. I mean, arguably both of you is in the top ten for, for most people when they make their list and both of you there watching, uh, that's that's difficult. Now, after you do about 14 years or 15 years of it, it gets a lot easier, but that first <laughs> one's really hard. <laughs> I imagine you I guys can... struggled with that. I can imagine people like me are, are thankful that you do it, though. So, well, the, the feeling's mutual. So, I was going to ask any plans to go down that road again, but I guess that's uh, still undecided at this point. But no, no real plans. No, no real plans. Um, the Beacon is going to do the race again. Uh, they reached out and asked if we would help uh, with promoting side, maybe some ideas. Uh, and my, my very first response was, I'm racing. Uh, I'll help you any way I can, but I'm going to have a car there and I'm going to race. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want any part of being a promoter, but I will help you in any way possible um, to pull this off. And and the next question was, can we use y'all's title and name? Yeah, go ahead. You know, everybody was, everybody's on board. So it looks like they're going to, they're going to pull the trigger and, uh, and have the, the second annual Kentucky Bottom Bowl Bash. So, yeah, I did see that. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, it goes really well for them, and I'm sure you guys will offer a lot of support and knowledge from the first go around that will will help them be successful. So, Charlie, that fairly much wraps us up. But I'd like to know your plans for 2021. I would assume much the same of what you've been doing. Anything out of the ordinary or special? Well, we're we're going to run down south for a little while uh, we're going to go back to west palm and then we're going to hit cp up and race the the february uh, the races in louisiana with him probably going to take another run at the at the ihra uh points championship they've got a pretty good deal up here at beacon you, and we can run the division finals and world finals here locally at memphis it's two and a half hours or so so that's a that's a good deal did that last year i think we finished in the top seven or eight with the world finals last year and then little brother went this year and uh, and got to run that so uh, may take a shot at that i say that every year um i finished lucas won it this year won the the local uh championship and i was second uh had to win the last race to catch him and force a runoff and i think i got beat in the quarterfinals or something but uh um i say every year that i'm going to chase it and then i get I, I get chasing big money and big checks and, and kind of forget about the local points deal. And, and at the end of the year, it seems like I've always got a chance to sneak in there and, and get it and, and sometimes pull it off and sometimes I don't. But uh, that, that going to the IHRA, that, that division finals and the world finals, that, that Frank uh, Kahutek and uh, all the guys with IHRA, they've really got a good deal going there. Um, that's a fun weekend. Uh, I raced a lot of NHRA Division Two um, in the early years, and men, you roll in NHRA, and it's like men, you're in their way. They don't want to be there. They don't, you know. The IHRA boys, they're they all cut up, have a good time. They're proud to see you. You know, they they treat you like you somebody. Uh, so that that's a that's a good time. Uh, but hit as many yeah. big money bracket races as we can. Um, Try. I say every year I'm going to quit traveling so much, and seems like I travel more the next year than I said I, <laughs> I was going. Um, we 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 put a lot of miles, a lot of miles on the motorhome this year, um, and been a lot of places. So um, we'll just we'll kind of see how the how the season starts out. If it's good and we've got some some luck rolling, and 
and our equipment's good, then we'll we'll hit a lot of the big races. If if not, we may tuck our tail and stay home for a little while. So. <laughs> well, when you win two out of every three races, you enter. It's hard not to go chase those checks. <laughs> you end up getting them. So just keep doing what you're doing. I'm sure we'll see you traveling quite a bit still. So uh, nobody sure does nobody does it at the level that you do it uh, without some help. Um, I'm sure you got a list of folks that, that help your racing program. Who you need to thank? Well, I'm going to start off with mom and dad. Without them, uh, this would never, this would never have been possible. Um, I lost my mom when I was 20. She died of cancer. Um, so she never got to see the end result. She doesn't, she's not been around for any of the big, the big racing, the big traveling, the big money stuff. Uh, she left in 07 and, uh, and she never, she never experienced in this, but I think she had an idea where it was headed because they, they were, they, they sacrificed and, and, uh, did without. So me and my little brother could, and, uh, and as you get older, that, that hit, that hits real hard and heavy that they, yes, you know, what they, what they did for you, you know, but dad's still around. He, uh, he'll be 61 this next year in February and he goes as much as he can, and, you know, has a big time and, and I enjoy racing with him locally, you know, when we when we get to. Um, Lucas Walker, Walker Race Engines. Lucas has done more for my program than anybody out there. Um, his engines are, are the best, in my opinion, not just because he helps me, uh, but because they, they perform. He, uh, he is so smart when it comes to racing you know we'll we'll talk racing for hours on these trips we go on you know strategy uh if i'm down uh on myself he's there if i'm screwing up he's there uh i love him like a brother uh i can't explain him sometimes or is you know but he he's he he is he's probably my number one um Luke is impossible not to like lucas is he he's and he'll be the first. He can be a complete stranger, having trouble at the racetrack. He's the first one greasy trying to help him fix it. Yeah. Um. He's 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 got a heart of gold. Um. He's just he's really been a major a major influence on my operation. And we got uh, Hoosier Tire Bruce Browning. Uh, Hoosier's been on board for a few years now. Uh, Brandon at BTE Transmissions and Converters, um, best in the business. Shaper Oil with uh, Bob Barrel, GZ Motorsports. Bill Huntington. He actually moved from California. Uh, he lives here in Mayfield now. He moved here locally. Does vacuum pumps, alternators, uh, stuff on that that line. George Rupert, Rupert Carbs. We run Rupert stuff for years. Wiseco. Um, and I think Gary Don Free with Drag Champ, uh, what he is doing uh, for the sportsman racer, uh, as well as you and, and Luke, um, the, the spotlight on the little man, you know, um, week in and week out, they're, they're putting out, you know, podcasts and top 10 lists, and, and they're really promoting the guy that doesn't get the promotion week in and week out. You know, they're, you see a lot of your you see a lot of your 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 normal people there, but but at the same time you're you're catching some of your weekend warriors that don't get a lot of spotlight there. So, um, my crew, my building crew, them guys, uh, yeah, we touched on that earlier. Without them, I couldn't travel. There's no way, no how. They handle they handle the Monday through Friday. If I can leave on Tuesday, if I need to, I can leave on Wednesday, and don't worry about a thing. Um, and last but not least is, is Shay. She's she's probably helped my racing more this year than than anything else has. Um, just the just the support week in and week out. The, whether it's getting the motor home ready or loading fuel or, or taking care of the kids and the dog, you know, just cooking, you know, stuff like that. That that helps a ton that you don't have to worry about. You know, just drive, just show up and drive. You know, so. Yeah, all that stuff means so much. You're right. Yep, yep, it sure does. That's some great companies on your list, and I know they're all proud of you and proud of their association with you. And um, while I, I 
I don't want to slide anybody. I do want to go back to drag champ, what you said about Gary Don and, and how you get it done with Gleghorn and Hodge is, is even more <laughs> remarkable. Uh, what he's getting done with the, with the crew that he's assembled. All kidding aside, it, it's incredible what drag champs doing for our sport and, uh, super proud to be somewhat associated with those guys and, and certainly thank them for, for what they're doing to highlight just, you know, average working class people that are out here chasing the dream and, and loving what we do. So very well said there. Uh, yeah, Charlie. They, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely got his hands full with the crew. He's got to work with. Mm. They, they, but, but Jake and Jake and Ryan, they're both, they're both good on the mic. I think that's, uh, I think that's something that you've got to have on, on the 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 type and, and level of racing we're doing. You've got to have a good, you got to have somebody that can talk, you know. So, and I think, I think that's you know they're both top of the top of the class right now. So. I agree, and they both get out to a lot of races, and and they interact with a lot of people, so they have a very good view of what's happening in our sport and who's doing it. So I'm, I'm sure that's a huge benefit to, to Gary and what his goals and mission is. So, exactly. All right, Charlie, that wraps us up from the normal questions. Now, you probably don't do a whole lot of podcast listening, but we got this thing we call rapid fire. And okay. it's typically five questions just to kind of get to know you just a little bit better. Although I think I know you fairly well, this is going to help me get to know you a little bit better and help our listeners. And these five questions right. turned into seven because I couldn't, I just couldn't narrow it down to five. I, I need seven to get to know you better. So, you okay with that? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Grits or hash browns? Hash browns. Mm. I'll, I'll mark the X beside that one. Um, mountains or the beach? Mountains. Okay, you back. Favorite hobby? Outside of racing, mm. that's tough. Uh, putting up putting up eighty by two hundred buildings don't count. Well, I, I do a little crappie fishing. Me and my old man do some fishing. Okay, excellent. Um, what time do you get up every morning? Between six and six fifteen. Okay. Thought you were going to be a little earlier riser than that, but I, I still got respect for you. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Both. Good answer. What's your favorite pizza topping? Bacon. Hmm. You got me with that one. I wasn't expecting that. Took you for a pepperoni guy. All right, last one, Charlie. Just when you need a pick-me-up, what song is your go-to on your playlist? Merle Haggard in my next life. <laughs> I wouldn't expect it anything different. Excellent stuff. <laughs> and back, back uh, to your pepperonis. Pepperonis are spicy, and I don't do spicy food. Oh, well, man, I wish I had asked you about that. I wish I had number eight. <laughs> Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Charlie, thank you a bunch for coming on and just sharing your season and your, your story with us and your opinion on some things. Really enjoyed it. I know the listeners will, and looking forward to seeing you in the winter circle, posting on Drag Champ and everywhere else here after these New Year's Nationals. All right, I appreciate it. Y'all have a good night. All right, bud. Thanks. Good luck. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Autometer and the Autometer Hot Rod Holiday Special. Uh, what Autometer is offering any Autometer purchase through any distributor, whether that's JEGS, Summit, Memphis Performance, this is bracketracing.com, any Autometer purchase between now and the end of the year. 12-31-2020 is eligible for this hot rod holiday bonus rebate. Uh, so wherever you purchase your Autometer product from, uh, simply print off the rebate form, fill out the rebate form, return it to Autometer. Autometer then re rebates you uh, what is essentially 10% 
of your purchase. It, it's tiered, but say if you spend $1,000, it's $100. If you spend $100, uh, you get $10 back. And this is something that Automator's done for several years, so I can just speak from experience through several of our customers. Automator is really good about actually sending the rebate. This is a very easy process. Again, you simply complete the form, following your purchase, send it to Automator, and within a couple of weeks, you get a check in the mail. So again, Automator products, the rebate is, uh, is functional wherever you purchase Automator. Um, and again, you can purchase uh, select Automator products through thisisbracketracing.com. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.